Welcome to the inaugural episode of a new Nintendojo podcast, Airship Travelogues. In this new bi-weekly show of ours, we're going to be journeying across the internet to speak with luminaries and notable personalities in the video game industry, both in the field of video game journalism, as well as video game development, public relations, the industry in general, whoever we can get into our special gilded red velvet throne. You mean whoever we can blackmail and bribe. <laughs> well, that's why you are the, the power behind the invitations. That is Mark Kleinhens. Super, super. Sucka, sucka. And I'm Noah Ward. We are we are just staff members of Nintendojo. You've probably seen us right over there. Mark's also had some other pieces across the internet that I'm sure that you have read or enjoyed. And? And? <laughs> We're talking to people. And it's going to be hopefully something a little bit different than Dojo Shogo, but also something complimentary. And it's going to be very, I think, freeform is the word. Yeah, Relational. freeform, casual. Evolved. Don't look for uh, Larry King Live here or <laughs> Crossfire. No Crossfire. <laughs> no Crossfire, yeah. But that said, we would love to hear what you think of this new show. Since it is a separate show, please be sure to subscribe to its iTunes feed or the RSS feed for it and send in your feedback to airship at nintendojo.com. You can also leave comments over on the website and leave any feedback that you like over on Facebook as well. For our first episode, we are going to be talking with Dan Shu, also just known as Shu, S-H-O-E. <laughs> From that guy who's everywhere on the internet. Yeah, you, you might have heard of him for many years, maybe I think seven or eight. He was the editor-in-chief of Electronic Gaming Monthly, the yeah. original iteration of it. And now he is the co-founder and editor of bitmob.com. Which also helps with the new EGM. He's in, I think, every issue, doing uh, columns or previews or the like. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. On G4, he's done a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff. Like I said, he's everywhere. So we're very honored to have him here on the show. We hope you like listening to us talk with him. We got him on the show this week to talk about PS4 and Sony's plan to invest millions into development of exclusives for the PSN store. Yes, the PS4, not the PS3. So we'll have to keep that in mind. Or I'll yeah. have to keep that in mind. Just in case you're the time-traveling type, we are referring to the PS4. <laughs> Mark tends to time travel here and there. Well, the PS9, that's when I was working at GameStop. Oh, the, when yes, came yes. Out, people came in. I want that PS9, man. Where's that PS9? Like, well, the PS2 just. No, I don't want the two. I want the nine. <laughs> so, without further ado, here we go. So, Shu, Matt, or Noah, sorry. Um, <laughs> lots of um, rumors about the PS3 possibly coming out next year. And of course, that article. I think just, the PlayStation Three is out already. Yeah, oh, that one. It is. Whoa! Maybe the PlayStation Four, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm looking at a PlayStation Three right now. <laughs> okay, so the PlayStation Four possibly coming out next year, along with the Wii U. First and foremost, what do you guys think? Is that um, is that possible? Likely. Oh, I, I think it's possible because uh, I mean. It's it's very common for these companies to start working on a next generation platform before they're even quite finished with the first one or re have released it, right? So they they have teams of engineers who are always thinking that far ahead. And this is for any industry, right? Like like uh, 
I just off the top of my head, like I, fo- I used to follow the snowboarding industry a little bit. And whenever you see like whatever model you're getting in stores now, they've, that's like two years old to them. You know, they're already working on what's coming out two years from now. Um, so, and, and they have to kind of stay on top of technology. I think it's possible. I think it's kind of unfortunate because I don't feel the need for a new platform yet. And, and it's actually, I'm one of the few people I think that are, that is kind of a, somewhat excited about Wii U because I think that the only excuse to bring out a new platform now is to bring out, to give us something that's a completely different experience, period, right? Like yeah. I don't need a more powerful system right now. I don't need a, a more powerful PlayStation 3 because the games I'm playing now look plenty fine and the, you're getting diminishing returns on technology, on graphical power and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you, I'm sure the games will be better, but I don't need it right now. I think that's right. Um, well, Nintendo obviously has to do something with technology because they're so far behind the PS3, 360. But given this recent news that we just heard about um, how Sony is going to invest $20 million with the PlayStation original PlayStation Network games, that's just something that, of course, on the one hand makes so much sense. But on the other hand, it's, it's just something like, do you possibly think Nintendo would ever do that with the Wii U? The well, do we, do we know they're not doing that, though? Right? Because... Uh... Um, they made an, Sony made an announcement and that's quite a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly have no idea what, how much Nintendo invests in, uh, some of its smaller titles, uh, or maybe second party developers and things like that. But, uh, Microsoft and, and Nintendo both, uh, you know, support a lot of size developers, you know, like Nintendo helped, uh, get the bit trip games out, for example, you know, and that mm-hmm. I wouldn't classify that as like a triple A, it's not a triple A store disc product by any means, right? So, um, you know, they put some marketing support and PR support behind those games. So I think, uh, it's great that uh, Sony's doing that kind of stuff. And I, it's great to have more downloadable products like that. Cause I, I love playing games like whatever, whether it's a braid or a shadow complex or something like that. I love seeing yeah. kind of these more, more smaller games out there. And I think that's where the market's going toward, obviously, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Nintendo will be looking at that sort of stuff, you know. Like, uh, I don't, I don't think any manufacturer or first-party company is really enamored with the the brick-and-mortar uh, retail business. You know, it's so cumbersome. It's such a pain in the ass um, having to compete for store shelf space, doing all the distribution and shipping and all that stuff. Like, if they could get all their games direct to consumer, I'm sure they would. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Actually. But I, I guess the point for me is, assuming that the Wii U really is going to be aimed at the hardcore, or perhaps more specifically at the hardcore, but still try to get the casual, I just I can't see Nintendo not investing as much or even more than what Sony is doing right now. I, I see them really having to push uh, 3DS content, original content for that, and also WiiWare, if they still call it WiiWare. I guess it's Wii UWare, which is kind of odd. <laughs> I, I can definitely understand where you're coming from and that there's a hunger for more great WiiWare and DSiWare titles and potentially WiiWare. (laughs) That just does not roll (laughs) off the tongue. (laughs) But I don't feel that Sony's investment for these exclusives on the PSN is really in anticipation of Nintendo's Wii U. I feel it's more a response to XBLA. And maybe I'm biased, but I feel that Xbox has had way more 
notable high-profile exclusives, whether or not they're temporary and they ultimately come to PSN or not, or they are truly exclusive. And I don't know what Microsoft has really done to promote that, aside from providing a, a nice, friendly development uh, environment. But I, I feel like Sony's like Sony's got some notable games like Flower and has all the pixel junk stuff that's pretty cool, but it just has never gotten the notoriety that Xbox Live arcade games have gotten. And I think Nintendo in some aspects has also one-upped Sony with its WiiWare titles and its great art style stuff and the uh, the bit trip stuff and Lost Wins. There's been many great games on there, but I don't feel that it's ever been a priority for Nintendo because Nintendo's always got its first-party developers to fall back on, and it knows that it's going to make money off those first-party games, and therefore WiiWare, DSiWare, it's nice to have, and developers can put it out there simply because there's lots of machines that are out there, and so hopefully more consumers will be likely to buy my software because it's the the, the hardware that's coming out on is owned by a lot of people. But I just I don't see Nintendo doing something like this. I feel like it's still going to rely upon install base or name brand to get people to come in and not really invest in them in the way that Sony is doing here. There's a bit of a chicken and egg problem there as well, though, right? Because I think the reason why um, XBLA games sort of gain more attention and uh, notoriety than on some of these games on other platforms is because, um, like, like you mentioned some great Sony titles, right? Like the, the Flowers and uh, – and so on in the pixel junk games like my my favorite i just did this thing uh for the show that i co-host uh called press pause where we talk about our favorite downloadable titles and i'm like pixel junk monsters is like by far my favorite downloadable console game but the problem there is i don't think anyone knows how to promote these games as well as microsoft does and i don't mean from a pr or marketing standpoint necessarily i think just by if you're an average consumer and you turn on your Wii, you turn on your PlayStation 3, and you turn on your Xbox 360, and you just want to browse for new games. Uh, Xbox 360's dashboard, as much as I don't like it, does a really good job of letting you know, like, <laughs> hey, check out this game that just came out today. Get a try. And then the other thing they do really well is they offer free trials on every product that hits yeah. Xbox 8, where the other two do not do that consistently. And even on PlayStation Network, it's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes because sometimes there's no demo or sometimes the demo comes out two weeks later, but you don't know that until it does come out. Or you have to download a separate thing to unlock uh, the the game, right? You have to uh, pay for the unlock code uh, separately. So it's not a friendly environment, I think, um, to, for you to discover new games like that. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. it is Xbox Live... Uh, or Xbox 360, the advantage right now. And so that's what I mean by the chicken and egg scenario, because maybe a lot of these games would do better if Nintendo's uh, just dashboard, you know, was better about promoting these kind of things. So maybe Nintendo sees this like, well, these games don't sell as well as they should, so we're not going to put money in there, or we're not going to put as much emphasis there. But I would like to think that they're watching what their competitors are doing, even though they typically – they don't seem like that kind of company. You know, they don't strike me as yeah. we want to match Xbox 360 or we want to do what PlayStation 3 is doing well. I think they just kind of like, we're going to do what we do, we what we know what to do or how to do the best. I, I, don't, I think I just threw out a bunch of random words there that didn't all come together. <laughs> very well. But I think you know what I mean. It's just like they're, they're just going to go – they just march to their own beat. Um, but – that said, I think it would be incredible 
if like Miyamoto and some of those guys were like, you know what? Let's try and make a downloadable title. You know, kind of like what Double Fine did. They're like, we're tired of making these big disc games. You know, let's try to experiment with smaller products and do more of them and have different creative ideas. It'd be incredible if Miyamoto just wanted to do, like, take charge of a bunch of smaller downloadable titles instead of worrying about these full-size disc adventures. Mm-hmm. Do you think Nintendo can win back the hardcore with Wii U if they don't pursue some kind of muscular online strategy? Well, I think they, if, I, you know, obviously that was their message at E3. You know, if you uh, read between the lines, it's like, it's like we want to get those hardcore guys back, but they went about it all wrong. I thought they did a terrible job of that at E3 because yeah. everything they showed, um, you know, of course they made it clear these are technology demos, but they made them look really cutesy and family-friendly. Like every technology demo looked like a, a, a kid's game, you know, except for the Zelda um demo which wasn't even a playable thing but it just mm-hmm. all looked like family casual games and then uh and i thought some of them were fun but they just they didn't appeal to me as a hardcore gamer and then what they did to represent the hardcore was to uh pull in all these third-party guys like the ubisoft and eas but then all they could show is footage of games that are on other platforms you know they didn't show <laughs> what what's what's going to be unique about an Assassin's Creed on Wii U. You know, what's going to be unique about a Battlefield on Wii U? We don't, like, nothing so far. You know, if they if they started talking like, this is what we can do on a Wii U, and then that might have gotten me excited, but they didn't do that. So I think they, did, you know, they just did a horrible job, and that's the, that's the first impression they gave everyone. I don't know a lot of hardcore gamers that are seriously excited about the Wii U. Hmm. You know, it's funny. My perspective of the whole E3 conference was, their first party stuff obviously was more family friendly or casual friendly, but then they had the, the third party element. And of course, yes, that's everything's been that's been shown or was being shown is for other other consoles, other platforms. But just having a third party presence like that just blew my mind as a Nintendo fanboy. I could not believe that they actually managed to get those companies and even Ken Levine and everyone else to get up there and do like a little little quasi interview. So I wonder if that that was their strategy. Nintendo Nintendo games will always be casual as far as the outside world is concerned, but the third-party stuff is there for you, for you hardcore people, please come back. Yeah, but again, I think they needed to really differentiate that, which they didn't do at E3, right? Because it's like, well, okay, so what? The, it's not just wanting the hardcore gamer. They're saying they want to win some of these guys back from Microsoft and Sony because they have the hardcore guys. So but what did you see there that would convince you that I might want to play Assassin's Creed on the Wii U? versus my existing 360 or PlayStation 3 that I have now. You know, I I have an established friends list. Let's say I want to play the next Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty. Let's use Call of Duty as a better example. If millions of people playing it already on a 360, they have their established uh, friends that they play with um, every week uh, that they've been gaming with for many years on Xbox Live. They have their friends list there. What's going to get them to move over to Wii U? Nothing so far that we've seen. I'm sure it's coming. You know, like you hear about things like uh, Sega's Alien Colonial Marines game, mm-hmm. uh, that they're going to use the tablet as sort of that motion detector like you see in a movie with the, the pulsating radar. And, uh, yeah. And thing. And now that sounds awesome to me as a like an Aliens fan, and I would get that version just for that one function. But we're, we're kind of hearing these things, bits and pieces, um, as opposed to where they, I think they should have done all that at E3 to get people really excited about that platform from a third-party perspective. 
I absolutely agree. But do you honestly think any other company actually knew what they're going to do with the Wii U controller? It's probably just Sega. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I wonder if it'd be hard for them to uh, just throw out ideas, right? Like, we're we're working on a story now where we just ask the staff for ideas. Like, what can what would you do if you're a developer with the Wii U? And then, like, uh, like one example. So don't steal this idea because our story's not out there yet. <laughs> Everyone was listening, but like one of the ideas one of our staffers wrote in this email chain that where I have to pull together into a story was like. Uh, a Metroid Prime game where you use the tablet to kind of look around and scan the environment like you, you would do in the game, but using the tablet as sort of that window into this alternate universe, right, uh, where you could look beyond the TV to the sides and behind you and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, it's like maybe the developers, I mean, I'm sure they're at a point where they don't want to give away their ideas too early, but that's the kind of stuff I think we needed to hear to, to really get behind the Wii U. Because mm-hmm. the little... Like you guys read E3, right? I wasn't actually no. No, oh. not this year. Well, well, they. You, do you remember that part where they showed the golf game and then uh, it, they kind of used the Wii controller as the golf club and the Wii U yeah. pad was on the ground and then it showed where the golf ball is and then the the like the the sand being kind of pushed aside from the swing of the club and all that. That was really cool, but that's a very casual experience, right? So if they had those kind of ideas uh, ready to show people then I think they should have applied that on the if, – if they're like, where well, we want the hardcore back, then then show us that golf example. Because people in the audience were like, oh, wow, that's really cool because they've never seen anything like that. But give us a hardcore example then. You know, you have your golfing example there. Give us a hardcore example. Yeah. And, Mark, getting back to one of your original questions, as far as downloadable titles go, I think they are fantastic and critical for any console or hardware's success – but I don't necessarily think of those as hardcore gamer attract uh, attraction qualities either. I think a lot of those games, they're often lightweight, they're fun, they're casual. Sometimes they're hardcore in, in nature or in intent, but it's really the full retail games that I think are going to drive hardcore gamers to Wii U. I'd actually agree with that, but I just, there's some part of me that absolutely, some of my favorite games this generation have been like Braid. It's been oh, yeah. only, and I just, I really want to see them capitalize on that somehow, if they even can. I mean, what rumor has it right now, the Wii U doesn't even have a hard drive built into it. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Shu, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And also thank you to Mark for getting all this corralled and organized. And using the PS3 instead of the PS4. Don't forget that. <laughs> just making sure people are listening that's all <laughs> listeners if you have any feedback send it into showmail at nintendojo.com or you can leave a comment over on the website and of course be sure to check out shoes endeavors if you haven't been already over at bitmop.com that's the end of our first episode of airship travelogues we hope you enjoyed the chat we had with shoe we'd love to hear your feedback let us know what you think about the show? If there are any particular personalities that you'd like us to try to track down to get onto the show, let us know that too. Send it to airship at nintendojo.com or leave us some comments over on the website. Yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks very much to Mark for helping get this all organized and off the ground. And and, and thanks to you, Noah, for being Noah and biblical and stuff. <laughs> thanks. I try. 
And now for some quick credits. The music used in this podcast comes from Overclocked Remix, a not-for-profit website dedicated to the video game music remixing community. You can check the site out at www.ocremix.org. Here are the specific songs we use in the production of this show. Our introduction uses the remix Phoenix Symphonic, created by remixer Grey Lightning. The original track is The Airship, from Square's NES classic Final Fantasy IV. The original composer was Nobuo Olimatsu. Our transition features the remix Space Orchestral from remixer McVappy, based on Kraid's Chamber from Nintendo's NES classic Metroid. The original composer was Hirokazu Tanaka. If you like these remixes, you can download more at www.ocremix.org and find many of the original game soundtracks for purchase at Amazon.com or iTunes. Additionally, many of the games mentioned are available for purchase on Wii or 3DS's virtual consoles or at retail stores. Once again, thanks for listening to Airship Travelogs, a Nintendo Dojo podcast. Be sure to check out the site's original podcast, Dojo Shogo.